Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey everyone, welcome back to Waypoint's sports and sports-adjacent podcast that sets out to disprove the notion that people with lives dedicated to pixels jumping across the screen cannot also be un- unhealthily uh, interested in what nerds condescendingly refer to as sports ball every Super Bowl. Rob, you know what time it is. I start off every episode with the same question. Rob, are the Bears back? They absolutely are. They're trading smart. They're making moves. They're trading but- back. That you see, I set you up. You had the, the I joke it up. right I there. It. Just, I the pass. just wow, wow, <laughs> disgusting. Uh, but uh-huh. honestly, because I, I my thoughts were already going to uh, another Chicago team that is back, and oh, that is the Chicago it. Bulls. What is the score right now? Uh, All right, well, they're up ten. Okay, at the half. That's right. That's right. So it's soon going to be down two, but <laughs> then back up ten. But anyway, uh, you know, at least I think the I think the Bulls might be back. But to be sure, uh, we had to invite Bob Coleco, uh, former longtime PR guy for Blizzard, a uh, GameSpot OG, and now doing PR over at Phoenix Labs. Bob, welcome to Sports Point. Hey, thanks for having me. You know, I. It, I I'm really excited to be talking about sports ball with you guys. What did you do at GameSpot? What is that? That's your last editorial gig, right? That was my last editorial gig. Uh, I was an associate editor there, and I wore many hats. I was news. I was on previews and features and reviews. Uh, maybe that's a sign I wasn't good at anything. They kept moving me around, but uh, I don't know. You know. I I'm, <laughs> I'm almost forty, and I don't feel like I'm any good at this. I don't. I don't think you know. I think you're. <laughs> I think you're. I think you're all right. Um, yeah. So you were, that was the era of like Gersman, Ryan Davis, yes. Brad Shoemaker, a lot of giant Gary bomb Goose people. Ghosts, uh, Brad Shoemaker, uh, Alex Navarro, uh, Matt Rory. Uh, yeah, that that was a an amazing crew and um you know i was there about three years and change and um i still think about what a what a great experience it was to be working alongside those guys yeah it's, it's funny yeah, we kind of tag team because they a lot of those guys left mm-hmm. uh GameSpot, and then i was fortunate enough to sync up with them uh you know some years later working at working at giant bombs so uh i can yeah, sure. i can echo that as it was a good group of uh people to hang out with definitely a group that you probably should not have owned an office with a bar attached to it but at some point someone got the good sense to start locking that during the weekdays and you had to ask permission to get a key to open it not because there are any particular <laughs> incidents just because it seemed generally irresponsible uh and that someone should lock it on a, on a regular basis that that bar may have been after my time because all the drinking i remember happened at steps up the street yeah well, so that was giant bomb away. yeah gi- one of giant okay. bomb's second office i wasn't okay. around for the first office when it was in uh the basement, as they they called it, I think, um, and okay. then they, it became Whiskey Media um, with the you know, like Alex and uh, 
Rory were doing screened, screened, right? That was the the movie site that they were doing for yeah, for a couple of years the bell. there. Yes, um, the bell. no, they just closed Steph's. Are you aware of this? No. Yes, Steph's uh, went. Uh, oh. My, my understanding, uh, at least according to the Yelp reviews, which are mostly full of people going, this place is shitty and racist, which was oh, not my impression uh. of it. But like I also the last time I was there was uh, 10 years ago and it wouldn't shock me if that could be a, a credible accusation made against uh, that place. But it was a uh, for, for people listening. Steph's was this bar that existed on uh First Street, Street. Uh, in uh, oh, San Francisco, like basically kitty corner from the offices of both Ziff Davis slash One Up, EGM, GMR, like all those magazines, and then everything that GameSpot had going on just down the street. And so it became a it was listed as a sports bar. Rarely was sports playing at it. Yeah, there in was my not experience. much sports in there. <laughs> it was but, mo- uh, it was mostly just an excuse for a bunch of games writers to to get drunk on a on a Friday night was was usually my uh time with Steph's. But they I guess the owner retired and so no no uh, one wanted to take it over. Just said fuck it. Shut that place down. Huh. Um, well, that's too bad. It can't yeah. be easy running a slightly divey, uh, like after hours bar uh, in San Francisco these days. Well, it's all, like it was that. also adjacent to the financial district. Um, yeah. Like that area was a very like business and finance. It was like just a couple blocks from the final the Fi die. I hated that term. Refused oh. to use it when I lived out there. Um, and like that area where one up and GameSpot were was also again a lot of business offices. And my understanding was also like a lot of those places struggled post-COVID because they just did not have nearly the foot traffic that they were getting uh, before. So, you know, that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, Bob and I like got to know each other a bit through esports. Honestly, Uh Uh, I would run into Bob at a lot of Starcraft events uh, over the years when he was with uh, Blizzard. But I think we uh, struck up more of a friendship and I started to realize what a absolute fiend for sports, particularly basketball is. Uh, (laughs) Yeah. when we were exiled to Tallahassee for <laughs> uh, League of Legends midseason invitational, which was like, you might be asking, what's a midseason invitational? Good question. Is that an excuse to get drunk for PR to throw a party? <laughs> no, 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 no. Uh, because let me tell you, like, you, you might think, like, I had never been to Tallahassee, and I would picture it's like you know it's the state capital. Uh, it's got the university there. Obviously, I figured like Tallahassee is going to be like a respectable Legit. city. It's going to be yeah. a decent. Uh, and I started to get a fee- I started to get a vibe where like the entire approach. I'm looking out the window. I'm like, we've just been flying over swamp for a while. <laughs> uh, and then, as far as I could tell, when we got off the plane, we had just landed in swamp, and it was like. It is a it's a college town, but I would also say a really bad college town uh, is the way I put it. Like it felt completely lifeless. Uh, at oh, so not like the people after, are like not like degenerates. We're not like talking about like Buffalo Bills fans where but it's more just you actually wish Buffalo Bills fans were running around here giving some life to the place. Well, it was, it was like summer, right? It, yeah, so yeah, it was summer. Yeah, yeah okay. everyone's gone for summer, summer in Tallahassee, summer in Florida. Uh, Hot as hell. A, and like. No drunk college kids have, at least keep you entertained. I have never felt humidity like this in my life. Um, I like I was unprepared for the just the absolute like 
gut punch every time you you take a step outside uh that you would hit and then as in compensation they just run the ac like crazy down there so you would like mm-hmm. work up these horrible sweats you go into a building <laughs> develop hypothermia naturally this is where uh the mid-season invitational was like uh league of legends would do two splits each year what was the meaning of the first split? If it was really the second split that led to championship play, don't ask questions. We are going to fill out fill out an entire calendar year uh, with League of Legends action. But in between the two like regular seasons, we would have this midseason invitational that was kind of like an all star game, uh, but kind of not, and it would rotate between the 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 big like esports regions that riot was servicing and that year it was north america's turn and so all these poor kids from korea china europe were sent to tallahassee with <laughs> Welcome no <context>. to america <laughs> and like all of them were sick like all of that like everyone was just miserable uh not understanding what they were doing here uh the whole idea was we're at the home of seminoles football because and, and by proximity uh like League of Legends esports is going to feel legit, but these were basically exhibition games. Uh, like my feeling was, you know, as they say, you know, you know, a good esports uh, event is is hype. I never got the sense that this one was particularly, but certainly it wasn't. It wasn't too hype for me. But what was going on co- concurrently was the basketball playoffs that year. Right. And I don't know. I don't know where you were at with the whole midseason invitational, Bob. But I did feel like you and I were both like, you know, we could just watch a fuckload of basketball while this like tournament just sort of like churns along. Yeah, the the idea of it was that they were gonna get the best teams, like one team from each region, and then you know you'd have the regions sort of play each other, um, and that was supposed to maintain interest in a global lol scene um before we got into worlds uh later in the year um but yeah uh you know it was in it was in it was must have been in may right because we were looking at the playoffs um and uh and yeah i, I was there uh, mostly as extra manpower to support our esports pr folks um it wasn't really my main uh beat uh when i was working uh, at riot so this is what allows um, you to escape to watch basketball for like when when rob says you're gonna watch a lot of basketball is this like half a day is so, it like so, six uh, consecutive hours of playoff it's not basketball? really it, it's not really escaping right because mm-hmm. there's sort of a, a press room where you know oh this is on the, site okay it's on site we're All in the press right. room the main screens are on the lol competition right and but everyone has their laptops out and you know we're <laughs> Rob and I are basketball junkies, and I'm like, I gotta know who's who's winning the Bulls like Heat or, or was it uh, yeah Bulls Heat right? No, it was, ca- it was no, Cavs. Cavs. It was already yeah. Cavs, right? Was, Bulls, yeah. yeah, sorry, I gotta see what's going on over there. And so you know, we would have the stream on in one uh, laptop, and and there were a couple other folks who were sort of looking over shoulders, like, hey, what's going on <laughs> with this? And you know, the, so you have like one eye on on the lol stuff, and then one eye on the NBA action, and that's kind of how we were. Uh, well, going about it. And I totally gave the game away because like, you know, obviously everyone like you as a company man were expected to be watching League of Legends. I as somebody who was there covering it was expected to be watching League of Legends. And like during a particularly dead point in League of Legends games at some point I'm like, "Holy 
fuck, there it is. Because uh, Derek Rose had just like nailed this end of game three and then immediately turned to this like portrait of a saint. Uh, remember, remember this, like mm-hmm. the, the, the shot of him just sort of like the team, the team is like sweeping him into their arms and he right. just looks like completely transported. Uh, it looks just like, like this, this Renaissance era painting yeah. or something where they're sort of lifting. I am the- going to be the follow up to Michael Jordan. And I was like, this is, we got it. Like, we, 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 we've we slain the dragon. The bulls are going through. And the very next night, uh, I, no, I guess it was two days later, but the, the event was still going on. Uh, that's where uh, LeBron nails a game-winning three uh, to, you know, like, even up the series. But you, it was kind of one of those things where you just knew it was like this was the, the like the, the the Bulls had had the game in their hand. And then it was like LeBron was like, not only am I going to win this game, but I'm also going to show you that like this is not your time. Like this is as far as the Bulls are going to go with this roster as long as I'm here in Cleveland. No, uh, no Kirk Heinrich uh, team is, is going to get past them. He was Uh, on the Bulls at that point, right? Oh, I can't remember. I I only remember. Joking Noah is also on that, right? Um, Mm -hmm. He was definitely there. (sighs) Who's I'm like I'm I'm scratching my my yeah. Ben Gordon was Ben Gordon on that team off the bench? Am I crazy? Jimmy Butler was there, of course. Um. but I yeah, feel like it, he it, wasn't a main character yet, though. He was no, he, really, he, didn't, he did not really become a main character until Rose was so injury kind mm-hmm. of riddled that he got shipped off. And then it kind of became, well, maybe this is Jimmy Butler's time. Like he's going to be the you know, like the bull centerpiece. And he was kind of ascending. And I, I, I wasn't watching as much of that era of, of Bulls basketball that closely, but that ended poorly <laughs> and then was traded away. To the yep. Timberwolves, I uh, I want to say, but he, basically he got followed by uh, Thibodeau, uh, the, the the you know the the coach is now on the on the Knicks, um, and yeah, obviously you, you look back in retrospect and the player that Butler has turned into, where it's like I don't know how good the Heat are, but they're always super competitive and like really fun oh, to man. watch, and he's incredible. Yeah. And it's like damn, I'd rather watch that than this team that Rob is trying to pump up. Every couple of nights on uh, on NBC Sports Chicago, <laughs> <laughs> the job that uh, Jimmy Butler did uh, for the Heat in the bubble that was just yeah otherworldly, absolutely otherworldly. Well, it just seems like he's one. He can just turn it on in that way that just few players have that ability to just okay. I'm going. I'm 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 a great player, but now I'm not going to be transcendent all the time. But there's just times where I can just completely take over a game in a way that is incredible to watch. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The, uh, and I guess there, I mean, that's another, uh, you're just up against the, well, I guess, what are you up against when you're up against LeBron and, uh, AD and there's that one bubble championship. Cause oh, like, on the one hand, yeah. it's kind of the classic story of like through force of will, Jimmy Butler gets the heat to that final. And you could just mm-hmm. see that it was like, it's not was it was the team too heavy? Not quite that. He was just exhausted. He like he was he was carrying that team pretty pretty hard. And then it's a championship series, and he just couldn't like he could not uh, go blow for blow with the with the Lakers. And it was this the moment Lakers, where it was like that that season would not be denied because they were 
I can't remember if they were the number one defense in the league or top three, um, even before the bubble, right? It was it was through the regular season. That was one of the most dominant defensive teams uh, I'd ever seen the Lakers put together. Well, they also had Caruso, and, right? Who has been, uh, you know, that like that was the, Caruso, they lost they lost it as a key piece after that sort of setup and came so, to the Bulls. But it was, it was Davis and also Dwight Howard right. who mm-hmm. was doing mm-hmm. uh, the lunch pail work, um, you know, the job he did against Jokic uh, in that Nuggets series um, was incredible. Um, and and yeah, Caruso uh, on the perimeter, um, KCP, uh, all of those guys were working together in a string. I would see them in regular season games they would just shut a team down for like six, seven, eight minutes. Like you are not going to score. And then they would just win the game by just locking a team up for, you know, most of a quarter. And that would be it. The, the backbreaking, like what's the opposite of a run? Just like, like uh, icing a team completely. Uh, just, just putting them in jail. Yeah. <laughs> they would just have guys in jail. And it but was just great. I always did kind of wonder, cause you were a LeBron hater. Uh, yes. <laughs> so for that one year, it looks like the whole thing was paying off. Like the, the, uh, the, we will, we will burn down the house in order to get Anthony Davis. Uh, that appeared to be like paying off. Well, he was uh, healthy, like, right? That's, the, I mean, that, that the knock against really the like is other than overspending on, you know, dipshits like Russell Bres- uh, Westbrook was actually just like <laughs> AD cannot stay healthy. Like, I don't know that they win another championship if AD is healthier over the last couple of years, but they go on deeper, more confident runs than the so, extremely streaky team they have been um, post the, the bubble season. That's one thing I would bring up as a benefit of the bubble yeah. for the Lakers because, you know, you had the COVID interruption and like all of a sudden it's old guys like LeBron, these guys that like AD who get banged up, they have uh, a period of months where they're sort of able to heal, right? Yeah. They're not, they, they've, they've disconnected the grind of that long regular season. Then now they restart in the bubble. The greatest all-star break of all time. One they, that went they, on yes. for, you know, Now they restart couple. in the bubble. Right, because they, they, everything and, shuts down in March, right? Like mid-March. Um, mm-hmm. uh, and then, you know, the day that Tom Hanks gets COVID, like there was that day where like three things happened all at once. And for a lot of people, it's like, oh shit, COVID is... What was, the game, what was the basketball game that got shut down? Because uh, that was the one where they evacuated the arena, and that was the it, moment for a lot of people, too. Where and it was, it was also like, like the, the shit. Was it Utah Jazz and Nuggets? It was something like that. And didn't a guy know. lick a microphone? Don't you remember that Dude incident? Oh, it was, it was Rudy like, oh, Gobert. Rudy Gobert, yes. You bunch of pussies. Like, eh, eh. <laughs> <laughs> No, he was just like coughing his hands and yeah. touching all the mics, and then it's just like, oh, man. Um, but and then, anyway. they, don't, they don't restart it until June, right? That's like... It's not so. It might have been even later, but you think about the bubble, right? Where you're playing these games, they're not getting on planes and going yeah. and going back and forth. They just go back to the room, they chill, and then like and then they go back and play. There's no travel wear and tear either. So you think about an older team, that's going to benefit them disproportionately relative to a team that has a lot of younger stars. Um, and so, you know, uh, I, I think there's something to that. I agree. Um, Bob, one of the things that we – the reason we sort of started this podcast was it was sort of a uh, – Rob and I at some point were like, hey, we're spending a lot of time typing into our phones. 
uh, usually with Austin Walker, uh, our, our uh-huh. former colleague, talking about sports. Like, let's really just push the pedal to the metal with our audience and see, will they pay money to listen to us <laughs> talk about sports circling around the Chicago Bears? But, like, the, the, the way we tried to bring people into it was – like the reason we we sort of use Chicago sports as our anchor is because that's where like our fandom comes from. That's where our fandom uh-huh. and then intersects with a broader appreciation of like the athleticism, the, the the sports. And so, are you? Do you have a fandom with basketball, yes. or is it okay? Like where where does where does that start? Like where does the love of basketball begin for you? Uh, it it started with uh, the Showtime Lakers, you know, Magic and Kareem. Um, uh, so I grew up near L.A. The suburb of LA um and um, the house uh, I grew up in we have a basketball court uh or basketball hoop in the driveway yeah and um um my older brother my grandmother like our family was uh you know died in the wool Laker fans like the whole time and it helped to have an incredible dynasty uh, to be sort of born into with the with the Showtime Lakers so no, that was the, that was the Bulls for me, you know, for for yeah. for me and Rob, like we were the perfect age to, you know, be, you know, I don't, you know, like not even not even teenagers, right? Like to just be completely indoctrinated into the Bulls, like have the worst expectations possible. Set, like, also, it, this it, is what it, basketball is like. It didn't dawn on me for years how warped my expectations have become of offensive oh. efficiency. Because, like, (laughs) I would not know, even setting inside the championships. Like, I remember, like, later when I was getting, like, watching a bit more basketball some years later, I was like, wow, like, I remember, like, offenses really scoring pretty reliably. He's picking up that two uh, when they're on the the offensive end. Uh, It's like, I don't remember uh, buckets being this hard to come by. And so maybe not for Pippen and Jordan and whoever else they brought around them. But yeah, like lifetime, uh, like expectation ruining, uh, like, like things. I imagine, yeah, the, the Showtime Lakers, uh, similar to storing. You, you, wait, you mean your team doesn't win the championship every other year? Can't I don't know what that's like. Can't imagine. You know what's that about? <laughs> like, team players yeah. don't just come here because the prestige of the team. Uh, like they just come here because they want to live here and play on this team because of its history. Like you, you don't get convi- a three-peat you have to every convince decade? them to come to come to to, to different cities. Yeah, the, like these these teams like Cleveland, where it's like they wait fifty years for one championship. <laughs> I can't relate to that at all. Okay, so yeah. So, but I am curious, like, because I think sometimes it's one of those, uh, like. One frame of reference I use a lot is speaking of like other fandoms that were formative for me and set up bad expectations was uh, as I was getting into F1, I really got into uh, Ferrari and Michael Schumacher and they won like six championships or whatever it was in, in, in a span of years. And it was similarly like ridiculous. But one of the things I didn't appreciate at the time was like actually this notion of like, well, this team's always been great hadn't been true just like a decade earlier that it was kind of like this this idea of like oh this team's always like had this like ironclad history of winning isn't entirely true but it just is the expectation that got shaped but i feel with like with the lakers you you have like yes everyone ends up uh basically having to wait out the bulls dynasty uh to to an extent but then like the Shaq and kobe years come along and that's that seems like we really cement this idea of like the Lakers will always be great. And if they are not great, that will be a temporary thing before the sheer star power, like gravitational force of LA brings a super team in. 
Yep. Um, you know, Shaq and, and Kobe coming together. Uh, that's a very foundational thing in the LA psyche, right? Um, the, the, that first three Pete, um, and well, I guess it's, it's, it's their three Pete. Um, it's just so ingrained in, in, uh, local, like how local news is and, and, um, you know, local sports coverage, um, how people see even today's teams against like, you know, um, there's a lot more of that uh, sort of front of mind with Shaq and Kobe than, you know, there was with Showtime. I feel like I'm the old timer who's like, ah, it's all about Showtime and, and Magic and Kareem. No, like you talk to just a general, if you go on the street and ask someone about, hey, what what does Lakers mean to you? It's Kobe and Shaq. Do you think that's mostly like recency bias? Do you think it's also just because like it was televised a lot more? Like that it was like everyone saw like Shaq and Kobe, uh, whereas like, you know, just 20 years earlier, you didn't necessarily see as much basketball as you you do now. uh, That's probably true Um, that maybe the, you know, how widely broadcast it was. Um, Although... You know the the Showtime Lakers. They were, you know, they were still on local channels, right? You didn't have to have cable to watch them. And it's that giant media market, which has always been one of the things of like why people want yeah. to come to LA. Huge media market, the endorsements, etc. Et uh-huh. um, yeah, so there's this like air, th- this idea of LA inevitability, uh-huh. and. But and it I'm keeps curious. coming true because you know <laughs> you get out of Showtime and then it's like okay now Shaquille O'Neal's coming to to the Lakers like it's going to happen for us and then you know that whole breakup with Shaq and Kobe happens and then somehow Pau Gasol fall, falls into our lap <laughs> and uh, I was just at his uh, jersey retirement uh, game the other night that was great um, love Pau um, but yeah the, those things just keep happening like every ten years and then you know. LeBron coming to the Lakers, which uh, I, you know, have mixed. I remember you. I remember you telling me in Tallahassee that you were like, "Oh, uh, LeBron is my villain of the league." Like he is all stemmed back to the decision. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yes. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. you know, I was just clowning. uh, I was just talking to Rob about uh, Aaron Rodgers today. Oh, we'll get. Oh, we'll get there because yeah, there's a lot. There's a lot. There's a lot in common. Decision two point oh. Yeah. Decision two point oh. Except this guy's washed. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it's funny because my my relationship with the Lakers uh, is not watching them cheering for or against. It is just being at E three overlapping Mm. with finals and then Mm -hmm. i distinctly remember one time where uh, you know because i wasn't paying that close attention but people tell me like hey if if the lakers win tonight like you have to like i I, one time i had to wait a certain amount of time before i could go back to my hotel because there was Uh no way that i was going to be able to cross through the celebrating that was happening just outside of because if they won away then it was fine so like yeah. during e3 it'd be funny because sometimes there were overlapping weeks you were like well they lost the game so now they're coming back to the staples center and if they win tonight then they win the championship and mm-hmm. and uh you know you know it's going to erupt in downtown la right which you know for people who don't understand la geography like the staples center is right there next to 
the convention mm-hmm. center. Like they are literally across the street from from yep. one another. And so when stuff like that would happen, um, you actually had to be mindful of what was the schedule? Are they going to win or are they going to lose? And because it might impact something you were trying to do if you were staying in one of those hotels that were kind of along the, the strip, like the Figueroa or, or something like that. Yeah. Um, that was, uh, that definitely had the biggest impact. I think it was the 2010 finals, the, mm-hmm. the, the back-to-back, uh, and you know, that was extra huge cause it was game seven, the Celtics. Yep. Um, there was a lot of, uh, contributing factors to make that a huge deal for, like, I think that's the one I distinctly remember the most because I was walk, I believe I was walking back from. I think Ubisoft had a party for their Scott Pilgrim uh, video game. And to get back from that to wherever we were going, my my wife had come with me to that party and we like tried to get a cab and the cab was like, I'm not. No, like, do you know what's going on down there? I was like, fuck, did they win? He's like, yeah, they, <laughs> yeah, they won. You know, this is before like, 2010. You know, this is before things like Twitter is a, you know, push notifications from, I mean, like, or this is early, like it, it is reasonable to not know that something happened if you were at a party for yeah. a couple of hours. And instead my wife and I had to walk back through like semi wreckage, uh, like uh, uh, around that area. And well, she was one of the major leave. LA cab companies is green. Right. Can't be driving a, a green cab uh, during <laughs> that year. Yeah. That might've been a car that would get targeted for, uh, uh, turning flipping over or something. well she was gonna walk ahead of me and once we figured that out, i was like hey you can't like i'm sorry you have to stay through like whatever thing i was finishing up i was like you cannot walk home by yourself <laughs> given what is the state of los angeles at the moment um that may be we maybe we should just seize that pivot point though um to discuss aaron Rodgers, who uh earlier today or as of this recording we're doing this normally record this on a tuesday night recording this on a wednesday night who knows what will change between now and this coming out probably sometime on thursday um but as of this recording you know uh rogers did as all great athletes do goes on the pat mcafee show which that's no shit against pat mcafee the little empire he's built is is i i admire in the him and his wife, his uh, wife, you know, his the shirts that he wears, standing up the whole time, like it's it's incredible uh, that, that little empire that he has built. But uh, uh, yeah, uh, Aaron Rodgers announced that he has uh, emerged from the darkness, uh, much like uh, uh, Bungie uh, in Destiny, uh, and has announced that he has intentions to play for the Jets, but he they are quote working on compensation. Um, Rob, do you want to walk us through? What I only watched half an hour of this before I was enough of Petty Hour. Um, can, can I but, just jump in? And, yeah, and please. Say I also have a, a complicated relationship with. with I believe Aaron uh, Rob may have sent me an exchange that said, and I think you may have used the word "Stan" in relation to Aaron Rodgers. But going back so, to his Cal days, yes, I'm an alum of the University of California, Berkeley, uh-huh. which is where Aaron Rodgers. Uh, he transferred to to play out uh, the last couple so that he could get drafted by the 49ers seasons. it was all part of the plan yeah it was all part of the plan you know he's, <laughs> he's a local kid he wanted to get drafted by the anyway um from that time you know i could tell he is one of the most special athletes to play for cal and you know i went to like all the cal home games i was flying i was already part of it i was already living in southern california i was flying up just wow. to watch cal games because you know, incredible. The, and like he he was incredible and I knew he was going to be something special. I was the president of the Aaron Rodgers <laughs> stand club. OK, 
And so he gets drafted and then he's got to ride the pine behind Brett Favre. And I was, I was salty against Brett Favre for, for, uh, that was a full four years, right? If memory, memory serves, he was, he was riding pine for a long time. And then, but I was just like, you know, just you wait, he'll make everyone forget (laughs) about Brett Favre. And everyone thought I was crazy. And then, and then he had the career he did. And then fast forward to 2020 and the thing happens and he, he does a full heel turn, you know, going psycho, uh, you know, anti-vax and really it, it's not just the anti-vax stuff. It's the fact that he lied, mm-hmm. right? What did he say? He, he said, he, what was the phrase everyone's he used? Face, I've got immunity. Said, I'm, I'm inoculated. Got, I'm inoculated. He said, he, inoculated. I'm inoculated. That was the word. And so he was intentionally deceitful. You but know, didn't you see you him want. today? Like he loves direct say, communication. That's the phrase he used. What you, I'm just going to say, say what you want about Kyrie. Uh-huh. At least he's honest about it. <laughs> Rogers is another step removed where he That's was, point. he was deceitful about it. He's trying to have it both ways. And then it's just like from that That's moment, true. I got off the bandwagon and like, and so now he's, a villain that's true mm. Kyrie will tell you like hey see the stupid hell i'm gonna go die on it yeah. <laughs> I mean, why are you doing this Kyrie? have you like, seen that hell a, though i don't I... have a good reason for you it's anyway, my right though sorry for interrupting i no, just had to no, say my no, thing that is because, good context because rogers he, he broke my heart man i just gonna say anyway well you and we, we share that in common with you Bob, it's just for entirely, entirely different reasons. Yeah, okay, yeah. Because this is the thing, right? It was like, I was thinking maybe it was the Bears' time. I was kind of thinking maybe the Bears are going to have like a little dynasty here, a lot of pieces in place. That defense is still good. It's not too old and about to be completely washed. It's still good. It's going to be fine. We finally got that quarterback we needed. And uh, then Roger shows up and they go on that spooky run to make the playoffs. And there is that game where it's the trajectory of the two franchises. Like at the end of it, like Jay Cutler is saddled forever with the reputation of a guy who like wilts in the wilts in the spotlight, like shrinks from the tough fight. Uh, and Rogers is Aaron Rodgers, uh, just, you know, one of the deadliest quarterbacks, uh, in, in NFL history. Uh, but then, and I will say like, maybe it was the, maybe it was the pandemic stuff. Is this where it really started to emerge? Like there's been the weird things with his family and such, but like there's been whispers over the years that he is a genuinely kind of unlikable person. A lot of that stemmed from rumors in the tabloids about the fact that Rogers did not have a relationship with the vast majority of his family. And I believe would have one of his brothers, uh, like had talked shit about him in the media. I think that came out of one of his brothers being on a reality show uh, at one point. This is all like yeah, he was like, on the Bachelor or something. Yeah, this like. is all seven, eight, nine. You know, th- this around an era where Rogers starts dating a number of like notable celebrities, right? Like Olivia Munn, um, Dan Patrick, Danica Patrick, uh, and, and and that is date who you want. Like that, that, that those are all. It was more just like this. This this coincides with. A more public-facing, like, cele- like Aaron Rodgers, the celebrity, d- didn't exist for a long time, even while he was an incredible football player, crushing my hopes and dreams. There's a certain point in his career where the celebrity part 
becomes more noteworthy. And the balance between those has gotten completely out of whack. Well, Even and it's because the celebrity thing reveals that this is a weird guy. Yeah. And that's the other part of it is like it's less the like he was living a celebrity life or like enjoying being the public eye that way. But it was the extra exposure. You start to get a bit more of a taste of that. Like, I don't know. To me, this feels very California, Baba. You could like weigh in here. But like the there's the the weird overlaps of like in some ways is a very like uh, like flaxseed and whole grains hippie liberalism, but also <laughs> like. A uh, right wing individualism and like the thing uh, is, yeah, is uh, I feel like leading up to it, he he sort of betrayed uh, some progressive leanings because he was uh, a little more outspoken towards things like um, well, like different social movements. I don't know what it was come exactly. Up. I, think, like, I think yeah, I think like you're BLM right, but, exactly, yeah. but. Um, and I don't want to get into all innuendos about his family or his personal life or whatever. Like for me, it's just strictly like, yeah, this this whole anti-vax thing and some of the other stuff. He's but again, that's when he was leading pushing. into it. That's all, that's all I mean. It was yeah. like just to to have you have a trajectory yeah. where there are there are suspicions, whispers, but it's stuff that's happening in TMZ, right? Like he's never commenting on it. He's not leaning into it. He's just sort of look, man. Your family, does, like, there's lots of reasons. And then he's like, "I'm going to start regularly going on my buddy Pat's radio show." Well, he does. But here's and the thing: here's I'm going to shoot the shit. Yeah, but here's what is interesting: is that how many weirdos are hiding in the NFL? So many. What is different and unique about the NFL? It is not much. It's, it is not a beefing sport, particularly relative mm-hmm. to other sports. Right? Like part mm-hmm. of what makes the NBA delightful is they are chronically online and just like are you just talking about just kevin durant or they are yeah i mean he is he is he is he is the you know uh, capital o online but i feel like that yeah. is more pervasive you have you know sure. you have draymond green recording a podcast after True. every game in the finals you know what i mean right like, there was this right. uh uh quote i saw earlier today uh uh, from uh, Jay Caspian King, who's a writer who's done stuff for a bunch of different places, and he had yep. a tweet from earlier today that said, uh, "I think we can confidently uh, say now that this era of player and ex-player NBA content has been a huge plus for fans. The interviews are just better than with media people. It's not media people's fault. It's just that these relate to one another and feel more comfortable. And you can draw a direct line between a lot of like NBA culture stuff between mm-hmm. uh, that that stuff happening and." Like, yes, Rogers is a particular weirdo and he's egregious and but he stands out more because it's just very rare to have a player act like this in the mm-hmm. NFL. They mostly keep to themselves unless it, you're, you know, uh, you're in a beef like Lamar Jackson in a contract dispute. But even that, it's not like he's going on podcasts. He just tweets at Adam Schefter every once in a while. And you also yeah. say the team actually has mishandled things more there than than he has uh, in terms of messaging. But yeah, like. Rogers is the like Pat McAfee today on the show drew the like Michael Jordan analogy of like you're a guy who looks for slights to motivate yourself. Uh, oh, you know, that's, that's kind of true. And I, I think he's clearly someone who um, carried the chip on his shoulder about not getting drafted by the Niners and um, falling so far in the draft um, and then not getting to play. Like he's definitely comes across as the as the type to sort of have this pettiness sort of motivate him 
And so, like, yeah, tune in like like a lot of other people to the Pat McAfee show today because, like, today is like you know been all this stuff about what is Rogers going to do. He went on his darkness retreat. He went and like stayed in like a. It is what it sounds like. He went and hung out in a dark room for like meditation reflection for like five days. Uh, you know, he could have just went to Berlin, went to a club, <laughs> took a bunch of ketamine and, you know, come out of the dungeon like later. Like a normal you know? person, you know? Right. Like, you know, at least you would be dancing to some beats, you know? The one, like, the one funny thing he did say about that was, uh, I think McAfee made a comment to the, uh, to the effect of, like, that's a lot of nights. And he was like, yeah, actually, around the third night, even I was like, do I really... Do I really gotta do this for the fourth night? I think I've I think I've come to I think I've drawn the conclusion. He's like, I ran out of topics to contemplate. <laughs> uh, but the other thing that he lays out is so we are like now in this free agency window, teams are making like decisions about their future, like long-term contracts are being handed down, and we're pretty far into it, and Rogers his future was not clear as the the days have gone along like so what's going to become of his contract with the the Packers there was the uh he will follow in uh you know Brett Favre's hallowed footsteps uh to to the Jets you know maybe oh my God. uh maybe like that's a level of comedy that uh, he's, he's it couldn't to... go worse well yeah. I, could, yeah then then uh then Favre's then Favre's tour with the the Jets uh but the the thing comes up in this in this uh McAfee interview is he is trying to lay out this narrative where, like, you know, he and the team had a good relationship. But, you know, teams changed so much since he's been there. You know, the people that really brought him in and believed in him, they're all gone. The team's, the team's changed. But he loves Green Bay. He loves loves the organization. He started, to his credit, like, I, I did appreciate, like, the long interlude where he's naming, like, uh, facilities workers and such who work yeah. at, at the Packers and like shout, shouting them out. Which there was are, these also are like local who, restaurants. Like he was, I think yeah. he said like Joe at like the Frame Shop or whatever. You know what I mean? I was like, I mean, because it's true. Like it, part of what's unique about Green Bay is it is the opposite of Los Angeles. Like the literal opposite. It is like uh-huh. a, the kind like it is a small town with nothing to do. Uh, which is why most players leave. You know, in the off season, because they, they, they you think there's nothing to do. You've never been to the Outagami County Mall. <laughs> uh, that's that's just what I would say to you, sir. Uh, but so, but he, he's telling a story about like he goes into the darkness, and he and the Packers were on good terms, and it seemed like they were like, "Whatever you want to do, Aaron, no rush." But when he came out of the darkness, something had changed, and they were kind of like. What do you want to do, Aaron? Because we're ready to move on. <laughs> and then he was like, "Well, the hell with you, then." Uh, you know, I'm. If this is how you're going to treat me after all of this, uh, you know, after being the the greatest player in in franchise history, or if not the greatest player, you, you know, the longest debatable, tenure, debatable, debatable. It's him, Bart Starr, and and and, and Brett Favre. But like, he's up there. Uh, but if they're going to treat him this way. Then he'll go somewhere he is wanting. So that's why his intention. Importantly, yeah. he says when he goes, it was like when I went into the darkness, I was 90% sure I was retiring. Like essentially he was going to make peace with retirement and come out and then let the team figure out the next phase uh, as an organization. And if you take him at his word, if you take him at like that is true, 
purely out of spite because of a text message or whatever or a vibe. He went from the best thing for my body, for my soul, is to retire. That's the conclusion I've drawn after four days of intense introspection. But then I got a little bit online and I discovered (laughs) actually I need to play again. You know what I mean? Like that does not track except for somebody who is – unwell so um, let me just say quarterbacks are unwell as a let as me a, say is that like uh, getting to that topic our quarterbacks unwell is that worse rogers sort of uh coming to that conclusion is that worse than telling your wife or promising her you're going to retire and then Ooh. not doing it and then <laughs> letting that supermodel of all time wife walked out the door because you couldn't with her billions your billionaire uh like underappreciated part of this is uh uh a a far like more lucrative career than do we we ever get clarity on how much how much did they lose in that ftx collapse they had a lot of money in that right whatever it is they got more (laughs) it doesn't matter it's you know but yeah, it's true. That is true. These are these are both like uh, these are both some really distorted decisions mm-hmm. uh, that yep. you see you see being made. But you know, even in the interview, though, he's so like he's so needed to make it clear that like I didn't want to leave Green Bay. Green Bay left me. That's that's what happened well, here. And it, uh, as a PR guy. Let me tell you, uh, <laughs> that that just smells like some uh, premeditated well, spin. This is the um, most friendly venue you possibly have. And AJ Hawk is the little sidekick on the show, and he's like, "Well, Aaron, if you come out of the dark, if you come out of the darkness, and Green Bay was like, hey man, like we really love you, and we want to run it back, and like let's go one last one last ride, would you be coming back to Green Bay?" And Rogers is like, "Hey." No, I don't think so. And so it's like, then what are we doing here? Your decision was made. The other thing I would point out is that this, it sort of felt premeditated from even the season prior. Oh, absolutely. Remember the last year he had with Devontae Adams, right? And like they were going to go make this run and one or both of them posted on Instagram. The bull stuff. A, a, a final yeah, the dance. Stuff, yeah. A picture of themselves, the last dance. Last dance and, yeah. you know, they're trying to compare themselves to Jordan last Pippen, which throwing. is a little hilarious <laughs> in its own right. The last pass but, that, that Aaron Rodgers threw as a Green Bay Packer was a Hail Mary that was intercepted by the Detroit Lions. <laughs> oh, man. That's tough. But yeah, I mean, and I think that's the other, I think that is the other, where I have some sympathy with, with Rodgers is that by all accounts, one of the things that who knows if he had the stuff, but like one of the other games that Brady was really into was baseball, right? Uh, you know, he, I don't know if he could have been a pitcher, but he liked how team oriented uh, like football is. He loves being he or he did love being on teams, clearly to the point of like giving up his family to go be on a team mm-hmm. some more. But like 
And so I think whatever you can say about like Brady and his corniness, I think he's a guy who is very at peace with like, this is what football is. You know, you are you are one guy uh, on a, a large roster. Uh, there's limits to how much influence you can have over this, no matter how good you are. I fundamentally don't think Rodgers has ever been quite comfortable with that. Like the comparison I uh, like that I use a lot for him is um, there's an F1 driver, Fernando Alonso, who is incredibly talented uh, incredibly cerebral killer instinct but the nature of f1 is like you're kind of at the mercy of did your team of engineers and aerodynamicists build you a good car and if, you, if they get the answer wrong it kind of doesn't matter what you do you're just you're just kind of stuck there and i think that's kind of like this is where i think rogers has the makeup of being the hero who is like a starting pitcher or a uh, you know power forward in basketball or, or something like that. Somebody who can like when the moment comes, you can carry this thing. And there, he is so good that there have been moments he's been able to do that for the Packers, hands down. But fundamentally, there is no well <laughs> maybe until Mahomes, there is no Michael Jordan uh, analog in, in football. But the but the the analogy doesn't work ultimately because the sport is so different. And I think one of the things that maybe has contributed to Rodgers getting more and more fraught in his relationship with the Packers is that it's kind of like, what else can I do? Like I'm posting these, you know, wild seasons, just piling up stats and it's not translating to championships. It just doesn't work that way. And, you know, some of it, some of it may be his fault. Some of it may not be his fault just because of the nature of uh it's it's hard to win in football football's a coin so many coin flips right like there there is there is a lot of luck involved even if you build the right team and when you get in the playoffs it's not like you're playing a series right right and that's why series that sort of evens out the rng a little bit like it's one and out then yeah all all it takes is one linebacker throwing up their hand and then the ball moves in the wind a weird way like that's no but like you can't predict moments like that that's just that's also the huge part of why i love football i love the stakes of every Mm -hmm. game being you know even during a regular season it's like it's why you can say like well a team has gone zero and three they're out of the playoffs and it's like oh the season just started it's like look there's a lot of times where the bears have been in that situation i'm used to that pit of despair (laughs) but like it's also what i love about football is because it's so condensed like it is that like Every take on takes on so much importance as a result of that. And so, you know, it's like the Packers and I, there is a popular narrative that of the Packer, the Packers squandered Rogers like by being incapable of, of getting, you know, multiple Super Bowls out of him. I think there is. Oh, I was pounding that agenda for a long time, saying they didn't support him like uh, Mike McCarthy's a fraud. The, you yeah, know, Mike McCarthy's a like a total joke and you know he's he's i think that might be true i I don't i don't buy any of like the 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 mccarthy assance that's that's happening down in in dallas but i think i think it is it is both true that they probably didn't get enough out of him and also just sometimes you can be profoundly unlucky at like the final stages of many things right like the the, how many times have the packers made it to you know they went to -to back-to-back nfc championship games right like it can you can that's basically the super bowl but it's not the super bowl and you didn't win it and so there's also also, one in four in conference championship yes it's a bad i do love the subplot also is like has some of their excellence actually undercut them because 
maybe Rodgers is not well served by playing NFC Conference Championship games in Green Bay. <laughs> like maybe like football in football in January uh, is not is not where he is like his game is built to thrive. That's an um, interesting point because the one he did win was in the dome in Atlanta, right? Was was that? My, my Let's see. Right? Uh, no, well, no, the Super Bowl. Beat I the no, Bears the... at Soldier Field. Oh, it was. Wait, what? Was the it... Super Bowl? No, the the NFC Conference oh. uh, Championship. He, they went through that went that through went through Soldier Field. Right. Okay. Right. But when he when they won the Super Bowl, it was in uh, it was in Arlington, Texas. Packers I, I, there. A Super Bowl I was at. I had to watch the Packers win a Super Bowl. It was, and that was that was after the NFC Championship game that the Bears lost. So I could have been at the Super Bowl that the Bears would have been at and. Uh, I wasn't. I wasn't. I was. Oh, before I forget this, Rob, someone pointed this out to me. Uh, they DM me earlier. Um, uh, on an early when we did the uh, draft day uh, analysis of that, of that wonderful football flick, I mentioned uh, you know my dad who used to work for Riddell Sports, uh, the uh, the sports equipment company, and someone Googled him, and I guess on a I think an obituary bio or something related to Riddell. It was mentioned that he, I knew he grew up in Ohio. I just kind of hadn't really thought too much about which city, um, but he was born in Mentor, Ohio. And Rob, do you, do you want to know who also was born and went to school and played football in Mentor, Ohio? Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Wait, you're not talking about like a fictional character from from Dragon. No, I'm Day. saying it's Mr. Trubisky. Oh no! <laughs> it's my dad. My dad passed a number of years ago, but like that, the person that pointed out was like, "I'm so sorry that you're, you know, it was a decade ago." But like, it's like, um, like imagine an alternate scenario though, where the Bears, your dad is around the Bears draft Mr. Trubisky, and I was like, "Who knows? My dad's got an." Do they go into OT? No, no, but it's time. Oh. <laughs> Keep fucking googly eyes. Get that shit out of here. <laughs> the, king, the, the, the Kings and the Bulls are currently 102, 102. They're the, I think the Bulls had as much of a maybe eight point lead at one point I saw during the second quarter. Um, oh, it looks like the Kings had a big uh, third quarter there. Yeah, that sounds about right. That sounds, that sounds about right. The Bulls right. are such a sporting team. They like to keep, keep teams in it. You know what's uh, funny is, uh, you know, talking about the Bulls, um, one of the names that was mixed up in, in Russell Westbrook trade rumors earlier was Zach Levine. Yes. And that the, if the Lakers, like the rumor was that if the Lakers wanted, the Bulls would have been ready to take Russell Westbrook and one draft pick? For well, Zach, the, Lakers had two, the Lakers had two first rounders they were playing around with. Um, yes. And Levine and, was actually connected to the Lakers over the summer, last summer, before mm-hmm. um, Levine signed a max deal with the Bulls. He never actually really became a 
free agent. It was sort of mm-hmm. a considered to be a done deal that he was going to keep playing for the Bulls, given the, the kind of the nucleus they were trying to capitalize uh, with. You know, the idea that maybe our team will just be fixed if Lonzo Ball's knees like start working again. That's, oh, man. That doesn't yeah. seem like that's going to going to that. It obviously is the lack of his one player does not make a team, but there is a direct correlation between the Bulls being number one in the East last season. Lonzo Ball gets hurt um, mm-hmm. and they their defense falls apart and like the house of cards they had built could not hold anymore. Um and there's, you know, I don't think it completely transforms the team, but it does. It was a huge exposure point. And I've, I've just felt terrible for that kid. Like, he's super young. Did the, like, did the he, Bulls play a lot of Lonzo and Caruso backcourts together? Because that would be a defensive uh, monster. Uh, not anymore. Well, I mean, <laughs> I mean obviously not anymore. But I mean, when, you know, last year or whatever. Right? I, that sounds right. I unfortunately i am less versed in uh basketball strategy lingo but that that's they they had like the number one defense in the nba for huge stretches even as their offense was fine but like they had an incredible defense during like the best stretch they had uh last year and now now it sounds like lonzo's gonna have to get another surgery he can still not put like an enormous amount of pressure Honest. This is like oh, this is a this, year and change is, since that injury. Bad. This is like Grant Hill or Brandon yeah. Roy vibes. You know. Yeah, we're just like an entire career gets just completely derailed by, um, like a, which seems like a kind of a freak knee injury. Um, and I worry about the same stuff with uh, his is Zion playing again or is he still out? No, he's uh, still they just out. extended his uh, his absence. I just always assume he's not playing because, like, I was so like that was a prospect I was sort of following as like like the draft was coming along because people were so electric about him coming into uh, the league, and it just. But I remember reading there was like the one concern they had was, is his weight the kind that is going to buckle his knees like when he gets to the NBA, and that like sadly seems to have been kind of like borne out, where like he just cannot stay on the court for extended periods of time. Yeah, it's just that the overall he has an unusual body type for the NBA. Uh, just like he, like you, you look at him, he's an incredible athlete, but also you just like he does not fit a template. You see a ton of. He looks in, more like a football player, like I, like I, a defensive people, lineman. Yeah, if you, I've talked to people who've watched him play live, and they say the way he runs is even weird. Like he, <laughs> he looks like he's like lumbering. Like it doesn't like. There's mm-hmm. just something weird about his biomechanics, but then he can still explode off the floor and whatever. But um, it doesn't, yeah, it doesn't seem to bode well for a sport where you have to repeatedly get up off the floor and land and up off the floor and land. And, you know, right. And like, I mean, you know, this, like they were a hot team this earlier this year when he was healthy. Yeah. Um, completely transformative. And like, they're kind of limping along, but I would not say they're fun to watch uh, by by any stretch of the the imagination. Uh, in his in his absence, uh, not like my balls. Can you explain this to me? So I, yeah. I mentioned this briefly. I think on the stream we did, but I distinctly remember being uh, in a bar in Brooklyn um, uh, a, roughly a year ago, maybe a little bit before. No, because it was around the All Star break, so it was like January, February, and. The Bulls were on, like, on one of the TVs. And this is when they were number one in the East. And Rob was, like, asking me questions about the player dynamics. And, like, I had, I was watching every Bulls game every night. 
could not convince Rob to seek it out legitimately or even to take my CD dark web links and uh, watch watch the games. Just couldn't could not be bothered. And then my man gets YouTube TV, buys and Game Pass, Pass, and then yep. is like. Time to watch the goddamn bowl. Like, right as I'm getting off the train, like, why do I need to do this to myself anymore? Like, do I need to watch this shitty blow 20-point lead night after night team that's going to, if they sneak into the play-in game, they're still going to lose? Why? Like, why are we watching the Bulls now, Rob? To okay, torment well, me? So, <laughs> there's, there's good, there's some, uh, so one, I felt like last year is like, I'm not going to emotionally bond with this frisky Bulls team because it is left, clear. Kings 110, Bulls 105. <laughs> still in it, still in it. <laughs> A lot of game to play. <laughs> A lot of game to play. Uh, so it was clear last year that like the Bucks were waiting there with a scythe. Yeah. Uh, oh. was 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 kind of the vibe I was getting where it's like this is just not going to and by the way they had like the Bulls notched a very sweet playoff win against the Bucs where it's like look at this team like they really they they gutted one out against the Bucs they won, they won the that, that against the, they won that against the Bucs and then a buddy of mine um, who is in music like is, is really well off was like do you want to go to the Bulls game and I was like no I mean yes but like no, like I'm not gonna pay to go to a right, Bulls playoff game. And he's like, "We're going. Don't worry about the ticket. And we're gonna sit really close." And I was like, "Okay." And so we sat eight rows, nine rows back, like from the court. Got to see like Giannis in person. However big you think he is, you just don't actually have a sense of the scale of that man. And that is, is the it just all arms and legs. He like... is just like a Thanos Hulk. It's just oh, you can okay. like. No, like, I don't know. It was just overwhelming. Like, it, I was just okay. not ready. I'd also not been to a playoff game or, like, a, a basketball game in person, like, in a long mm-hmm. time. So it was kind of overwhelming for a number of reasons. But he was incredible to watch because they were blown out within the first, like, five minutes. Like, they were down 18, like, halfway through the first quarter. And I was like, cool, cool, cool. I guess time to get uh, drunk for the rest of uh, this game and try and catch it. I caught a T-shirt that got shot down from the city. Hey, hell yeah! Uh, there you go. <laughs> but yes, you were right, Rob. They they got blown out. They won one game and to avoid a sweep. So um, I think the the thing that's happening this year a little bit is one like they're trying to <laughs> they're fighting their way toward a play in tournament berth uh-huh, is uh-huh. how bad things are. Scrappy, but they might. Hey, that's actually- where the Lakers are. And like somehow I'm happy <laughs> and they might actually fight their way into it. It's kind of like and the other thing is this cast of players like so I tuned in and it's like players that I've really come to enjoy the last few years. Like Patrick Beverly is with the balls now. Uh, like, dr- hated, I hated Beverly. I hated when he was on the Lakers. I'm so happy when they got rid of him. I I, I love him. I love his uh, garbage like, drill sergeant like attitude that he brings in uh but so like there's there's that component to it uh it's it's been cool seeing the the team dynamic shift uh with with guys like him around but honestly and this is the thing um i might also be weirdly hypnotized by stacy king He's the great. He's the best. Bang bang bang. Oh, the, he's the, um, bang, bang, bang. He the color color guy for the Bulls. Okay, Bob. I don't know. Like, 
do I like Stacey King or am I like developing a Stockholm syndrome thing with Stacey <laughs> King? Because he's like, he's always had the weirdest bits or ticks as a color guy. There's bang, bang, bang. But the one that like I can never get out of my head is Mouse in the House gets the cheese. <laughs> Uh, all right, gets his back. You knew it. Mouse in the house, free cheese right there. That's free cheese. Is that like when a player like sinks an easy, like shot or no? No, is I there don't a rhyme or reason? Loose ball, loose no. ball, right? I no, no. I don't know. I, I I don't know when the mouse. I don't know what the mouse is. I don't, don't know, know what I, the cheese is. I think the house is the paint. But it, it, but but the cheese is it points? I think the cheese might be points. But it does seem to be something happens in the in the page. Oh, the mouse, like that's so a when mouse the mouse is in the house and he gets the cheese, the mouse then goes bang, bang, bang. <laughs> it's but like there's and and then like if if somebody makes a nice dive toward the basket, you'll hear mm, get some butter with that roll. <laughs> and you will hear these things like fifty times a game. Yeah, like it's just nonstop. And. I can't look away because here's the other here's the other problem is he watches a lot of Bulls basketball. He's a very insightful commentator about like what is and is not working on the Bulls. So you have like on the one hand just the weirdest collection of like commentator ticks I've I've ever seen. I've seen some weird Homer commentators, and like this dude is it's on another level. But then also it's like okay, I'm gonna really unpack like why this Bulls team is not not clicking. Uh, and uh-huh. like what's what's not working here, and why this like why the defense breakdown here will actually begin. He's very good at that stuff. Uh, so that's been that's been part of it as well. Is like suddenly like Patrick, you know, like I now have unfettered access to a taste of Chicago sports. Yeah. So I'm getting the NBC NBC Sports Chicago commercials. Oh. We were talking about you want oh, to see a documentary okay. about the history of the Soldier Field uh-huh. uh, deal. Yeah. I was like, hell yeah, I do. All Tell right. me you Dave, know what? Dave Wanstad. Uh-huh. So okay, I am like fully wallowing. I've even got it like I even like I even watch the fucking little animation of the Bulls running through Chicago and they're playing a home game. And there's the whole thing where they like have like everyone's like, oh, the Bulls are running through the streets of Chicago. And then the CGI Bulls start charging toward the visiting team's bus. And you know it's the visiting team's bus because there's two like tall, lanky dudes with Beats headphones coming out of this bu- this coach bus. And it's got the team logo on it, and the Bulls get real angry and they charge toward it. And I even watched that. I'm like, I love I love my Homer broadcast. Uh, and, like, the, the other weird thing about this Bulls team is it does not make rhyme. There's no rhyme or reason to who they beat or who they lose to. They destroyed the Nuggets last week. It yep. was like, pull the starters. Oh. This thing is done. The, the Nuggets have been in a bit of a free fall uh, of late. Yeah, started by the they're having They're kind of scuffling around. Um, but all, but like. all season, it, there was a, a stack going around constantly against uh, from like Bulls, uh, you know, commentators and like beat reporters. Is that if you were to take, if you were to separate out the, the Bulls wins losses into two categories, one against like the top five teams in the East and then uh-huh. against the top, the bottom five teams in the East, they're consistently beating the Celtics and like you know uh, uh, on the Bucks the and the Sixers. Like not every time, uh-huh. but like 
it, it's it's it suggests to you a team that is going to be like could easily get to like the second round of the playoffs, and then and they're then losing against the Magic last and, week. Like, last week, the Wizards they they went to the buzzer against the Pistons, and they only won because a Pistons rookie did not realize they were out of timeouts. <laughs> And I'm going to argue with you. He did know. (laughs) The tank. He did know. And he's like, I'm going to take my Victor Wembenyama timeout right now. Oh, oh, my bad. (laughs) Oh, shoot. Oh, darn. I feel so bad. Oh, so this is the question I had had for y'all, especially you, Bob. Like one of the things I've one of the critiques I've seen leveled like by the athletic beat reporters about the Bulls is like, the fuck are you doing making a run right now like you were well positioned to just like tank for the draft like this is like well not anymore they're not well right because the the run is they're they're now like moving toward the middle and they have an aging core of veterans they they and we've sort of seen what the ceiling is with this team so all they have done with this little like let's fight for a play-in berth is causing them to miss out on what's supposedly a good draft uh, and so I'm curious, like, am I watching the Bulls like self-immolate as they make this like scrappy little run to try to get to the playoffs? Like, is this it, like is this how basketball works? Where where it's like if you don't get one of these these golden tickets that comes up in the draft, well, goodbye for that entire generation of uh, basketball. Well, I don't know. Um... It, it's hard to say because even if you had the worst record in the league, right? You, isn't it? You still only have a fourteen percent right. chance. Yeah. They've changed, and that's a re- relatively pick. recent change, right? Like, right? Um, yeah, they they that was this part of the anti tanking that um, they they sort of spread out the um, possibilities uh, a little bit more. Was that the result um, of like the 76ers process or was that before yes, that? Yes, it is okay. absolutely a response to Sam Hinkie. Yeah. 100%. I like that. I actually uh, I sort of, you know, that, that is that runs counter to me celebrating everything the Chicago Bears are doing right now. Um, uh, but uh, I, I actually really like the notion that being bad, it just puts you because it, it would seem to encourage teams to still try to some degree because if you're just bad, you'll have roughly the same chances if you were the worst. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, yeah, it, it's hard to say that that's the correct thing to do because, like, what if you're just really terrible and then you still don't get the generational player? Then where are you, right? And then, you know, one one thing I'll, I'll point out is, like, um, a team that I thought should tank is the Sacramento Kings, right? Um they made a trade. Uh, who did they trade? Uh, Tyrese Halliburton for uh, Demontis Sabonis, right? And at the time, I thought that was the the dumbest trade ever, and that uh, the Pacers absolutely fleeced the Kings because Halliburton, uh, you know, his ceiling is is off the charts, and Sabonis was, uh, you know, he's a solid uh, big man. But where, what does that get you in today's game? And it turned out to be, uh, it turned out to work out for both teams. But then all of a sudden, the Sacramento Kings, I guess as of now, they're in third. But uh, hey, hold on. 11 be, seconds left. 11 seconds 11 left. Seconds. Now, a chance to be, you know, the number two seed in the West. Hey, Nobody saw that coming. Bulls Nobody just, thought the Kings. Bulls just scored three points 114, 113, 11 seconds left. Oh, okay. 
Hang on, hold am on. I pulling this, am I pulling this game up now? YouTube on... TV. <laughs> all right, here we go. This is uh, MSI 2 2015 all over again. <laughs> oh shit, I've got to sign in. Oh no. Oh um, no. no. <laughs> Which account did I use? I'm just I'm just gonna use the gamecast, but there uh, we go. Yeah, there what happened go. here? Uh, so oh, okay. we're looking at the penalty. DeRose, 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 DeRose and Sunka three. three. Um, I don't know what they're reviewing uh, necessarily, but uh, maybe where his foot was on the line. Oh, that uh, that seems like something that should be auto reviewed. It doesn't require. Uh, uh, I don't know. Yeah, I think I think that 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 sort of thing gets auto reviewed. Oh wait. Wait, bros, bros. It's a four-point play. It was a challenge against the penalty. Oh. So he can tie the game? Yes. Oh, yeah, that's that's a foul. He touched his arm. <laughs> <laughs> Get him out of the league. <laughs> Don't touch my well, boy. Didn't realize Grayson oh. Allen was playing tonight. DeRozan no, has been, tight. like, one of the, 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 the... I mean, he is he's fun to watch every night. Like, DeRozan... DeRozan is fantastic. All the Bulls have to do is lock this down. Send it to OT, baby. Hey, this is tremendous content. Uh, Rob, make sure to send a note when this podcast oh. be edited. Do not take any of this out. Do not take any of this out. Oh, my God. He scored a three with oh, was it .7 seconds left. This team fucking sucks. I hate the Bulls. Fuck you, Patrick. This is just like MSI. It's all happening again. Rob. That's not enough time to get a, a, a shot off. Nope. Nope. Put more time nope. on the clock. Well, uh... Coach's challenge. I don't like that. I don't like those points. Well... Oh my god, what are that's, they gonna do here? Well, well, I guess you have to you're gonna have to Well that's that. You're gonna have to roll it in. They did not give them the opportunity to do that. And the Lakers just lost to the Rockets. Ugh. Well the problem there is uh it, it's the second night of a back to back and Anthony Davis does not play those. Even as they're in the midst of fighting for a playoff. You got it. Look, you have to conserve the precious resource, uh, lest street clothes return. Yep. Uh, yeah. I, I so, kind of get it, but 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 I think oh. like this is this is one of the questions of like I don't know. Like certainly watching football to an extent, there is always that like you need to to go draft a star. Like you can't do anything without a quarterback. But I don't know. There's also the other argument of. Aren't you just better off with a good situation? And like eventually you'll you'll get a shot at like signing good players one way or another. But if your team is just like trash and you sort of like leaned in to the sock, uh, that can be a harder switch to flip than you think. Uh, and like certainly that seems to be the case in football, where like you know if if the dra if draft spots were were the be all and end all, there'd be a lot more Super Bowl hardware uh, making yeah. its way to Ohio every year and, or the uh, I, don't think bars, right? a, I don't think it's yeah. a one-size-fits-all answer either because if you have a front office that's or, or an organization that's really good at drafting really good at developing talent then maybe the answer is stockpiling draft picks and like trying to develop that way but if you're not good at those things like what do you 
Yeah. Like, what do you do there? Right? Like, is, is that going to help you? <laughs> you know, because there are teams that are really bad at drafting, right? Um, or they just can't seem to hit uh, on a on a pick or develop their their young players. You talked um, to Bears fans who were like, you know, surely this time the Bears will solve the quarterback uh, conundrum <laughs> as well, right? Where where or, it's like or it's the just... Jets for that matter. The Jets is another one where back how to many back time... back to back top three uh, quarterback you know, picks and both Zach of them. Zach Wilson's the answer this time. Oh, maybe Sam not. Darnold is you know watch Sam Darnold. Oh, yeah. Sam Darnold be, is going to be playing in a playoff game. Uh, he, he signed with the 49ers. Uh, Brock Purdy's got that. Uh, elbow injury, uh, Trey Lance. Lord knows what will happen with him. Well, is Garoppolo's played... in Vegas now? Uh, yes, in Vegas. Garoppolo is, yes. in, is in Vegas. Um, and then they traded away their star tight end. He, yeah, well, they got Wall- – yeah, they traded away Waller, but then they traded for somebody. I forget exactly how uh, some of those transactions were. Before we get out of here and do some questions, we probably should uh, – it's remarkable, Rob, that we've had the restraint to not talk about the Bears for a meaningful capacity until uh, the latter half of the podcast. But uh, since we last uh, chatted, the Bears, as we speculated, traded away the number one pick um, to the uh, Carolina Panthers. Um, get that statue of Lovey Smith converting that fourth in 20 on the Texans against the Colts. Build them a statue. If they would let the Bears, like, Rob, like, sometimes in the draft, like Roger Goodell will not announce the pick and they'll send out like other players. Send Lovey out there. Let Lovey announce yes. the Bears number nine yes. pick. I think it's too early before they do the, the stunt casting, but that's I want Lovey Smith to uh come out and and announce whoever the, the Bears get at number nine. They trade traded away with uh or traded with the Panthers. They uh get the Panthers number nine spot in the draft. Uh they get the number sixty one uh, uh, second round pick from the Panthers, which helps make the Chase Claypool trade from this past season feel a little bit better. Um, they get it, uh, the Panthers 2024 first round pick, the uh, Panthers uh, uh, 2025 second round pick. Um, and most importantly in the entire deal is they managed to close in a huge weakness on this uh, Chicago Bears team post uh you know, Allen Robinson, Alshon Jeffrey, like uh, like just it's been a while since the Bears have had a decent wide receiver room. They pull in DJ Moore um, on the final three years of a contract extension. Um, DJ Moore is not a like top 10 wide receiver, but is a top 15 and he is a true number one. Like takes <clears throat> pressure off of Darnell Mooney, takes pressure off of uh, Chase Claypool to like be a guy because they traded for him and gave away a decent pick. Uh, there weren't a lot of paths to getting a decent wide receiver. It's a bad draft for wide receivers, not to mention wide receivers tend to be awful in their first season or not come on until late in the season. So even a, uh, you know, uh, most of them are not Jamar Chase. Uh, like most of them take a, a, you know, a year or two to get settled in. And so uh, I, I could not be happier with, what polls did in getting that draft. And I don't know. I can't really judge the free agents they've brought in, which is a series of linebackers, a defensive end, a guard, a running back. We lost David Montgomery to the lions. That hurts. That hurts in my heart. I don't, I'm not going to like that when David Montgomery brings it in from the three yard line uh, and scores a touchdown in soldier field. I might cheer for him just because 
he was a very likable character. But historically, like the Bears have managed to produce successor running backs, like pretty. Well, everybody reliable. does. They, you really shouldn't. Yeah. Like I, I, the Lions are a smartly run team. I, you know, I, I think they're getting him. They like uh, Jamal. Uh, Jamal, yeah, Jam, uh, I Murray. Jamal Williams. Um, oh, Murray. Uh, sorry, basketball. <laughs> uh, and then the Lions are in a different place than the Bears. They're a year ahead of the Bears in terms of roster construction. But um, I, yeah. I'm I'm happy with where the Bears are right now. Uh, uh, I'm I'm excited to see. It's kind of hard. It's an incomplete picture of what that team well, is. It's but. I think the big relief is where sometimes in the pace years, for instance, the Bears would make decisions that felt like cocaine fueled is almost mm-hmm. the way I would Damn describe it. it. Like let's get back up into that second round. Who needs these third round picks? Pack us two of them. Let's go, hey, boys. We just need to grab our fucking balls and make some <laughs> deals and like. Maybe there were no deals to be made, and you're just getting fleeced right and yeah. left. But that is like kind of the way the Bears would roll. Now, admittedly, ultimately, like pace was more in the oh my god, guys, let's create a reason to keep us around and keep this regime going a little bit longer. But like either way, the Bears. I'm so used to the Bears making these, uh, yeah, these just ridiculously like splashy big moves that also are so clearly like wow, you just like blew your own foot off. Well, the, uh, that's the, gonna that's gonna hurt. The turn the pace always used was conviction. I've got my guys and got. He came from the Saints, and the Saints were also a similarly run organization in which they are contending every year. Like the salary cap doesn't exist. You know, we're never having a rebuilding year. We're never we're never having a down year. We're always competing. Um, and that was a little bit easier when you had you know Sean Payton um, and a generational you know quarterback uh, as well. Um, the, the the Bears were operating similarly without the same infrastructure in place, um, and so you're you guys. Getting, do you guys think Fields is the guy? I hope that the goal of this year. Here's what I say. I hope he's the guy because he seems extremely likable, and he was so he's so fun to root for. Like, like I've I went. There's a documentary about his high school career huh. and like going into college. Like Rob, that I have to send you. It's like a delight to watch. Um, like him and Trevor Lawrence were like this one A and one B. Like it's it's awesome. Um, okay. I but they gave him no chance this past season. So I think he has a chance to be like the guy. The thing you needed to figure out this off season was how do you give him an opportunity to tell you one way or the other? Because by getting DJ Moore and I, I would presume in the draft and through the rest of free agency getting some more offensive line help, you give him a credible chance to not just have to be Hercules on his legs to make anything happen. And that if he has a bad year and it's obvious it's because he had the bad year and not because the Bears didn't give him something to work with, well, now they have the Panthers who are about to draft a rookie quarterback. You know what teams are when they have a rookie quarterback? They fucking suck. And, like, they're going to have a high draft pick that they give to us next year and the draft class for quarterbacks next year is awesome and extremely deep. And so I just I I I I hope Fields is the per, is is the guy. He sticks around. We're building a statue for him in 10 years, but they at least are going to get a good look at him and we'll know one way or the other and if he fails, at least it's not like I'm watching a player fail because my team failed him, which is the history of the Bears with a lot of like players and quarterbacks. It'll be because they gave him a chance to succeed and he just wasn't Lots of really good prospects suck in the NFL, um, and we'll find out. So, what if 
Yeah. What if you could have gone to the Ravens and said, we'll just give you this number one draft pick and give us Lamar Jackson. Would you have taken that? I don't think the team's good enough to just drop him in yet. That's that's like the like who is he throwing to? He doesn't have a great offensive line. You know what I mean? Like I think Lamar Jackson is coming to a bad situation, and then as a team, that's gonna there's gonna be they'll win more games, but I don't know that they're good. And also, it's just like right now, I would say Fields with his legs is more explosive than Jackson is uh, at this point. Like, whoa. no, I mean, I think like he's just there's just a little bit less mileage on them. I think that's that's a huge part of it is that like Fields turns on Jets and does absurd things. I think the reason we see that a bit less from Jackson is also he doesn't have to as much like he has developed into a better, more complete quarterback. And hopefully that is the the arc Fields is on. But like, I think you've seen enough from Fields that you think like, we might be on this trajectory to have this like incredible like dual threat and we just got to see how this plays out i think you've seen enough to say like there's a decent there's a decent chance that's what you've got uh and so you you have to play out the string he just seems like such a nice guy but i said that about Trubisky too and he sucked ass so <laughs> nice guy though i mean this is what like you know, he is going to be I think I heard like Mina Kimes uh, talking to Bomani Jones about about this point where it's like the real key for longevity as an NFL backup is like, do you have good vibes? And if you have well, the good vibes, you'll make a you'll become a rich man just going you know, from team to team, not playing football. What if the tell that Fields isn't the guy is that he's a nice guy? What if oh, you've no. got to be an asshole? To Trevor, be a Lawrence, great Trevor Lawrence seems really nice. He seems good. And what's he done so far? Mm-hmm. He should have beaten. I mean, Patrick Mahomes seems nice. Does, yeah, what's the fatal flaw in his character? Other than the, other than the, the woman he married seems pretty obnoxious. Uh, other than his brother's an asshole. Well, <laughs> look, but hey, we can't. We're holding people responsible yeah, for their know, families. I, I, that's, 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 I'm with I you mean, though. Yeah. I think there is there is something about like there's an edge. Like we we talked about this earlier, or at least alluded to it. Or, like. QBs are weirdos. Like they are a singular athletic position that I think generates completely oddball characters. And yep. I think the more normal your guy seems, perhaps the less inclined you should be. Like you seem pretty normal. What are you doing being a quarterback? <laughs> you know, like yeah, like Ju- Justin Herbert seems like a total weirdo, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, and, yeah. And he is an incredible talent. As well, he does have a rocket. He does have a rocket. So, so we'll see. We'll have a better picture of the the Bears in the coming weeks. The I don't. I, how far is the draft off? Sometime in April. Um, but um, but who cares? We've already won. We have already won. We won the off season, Robin. That's all. That's all that matters, right? Um, Hell yeah. Uh, let's answer a couple questions before we get out of here. You can send in questions either to uh, the Google form that goes out on our Twitter accounts, um, or you can send them in with the title Sports. To gamingadvice.com. Uh, Dear Way Sports, that's good. Growing up in Kentucky, the Selection Sunday show for the NCAA tournament was as big a deal as the Super Bowl. Complaining about how much your favorite team got shafted by the draw while your hated rival got a cakewalk to the Final Four, printing out blank brackets and filling them in along with Greg Gumbel on CBS, then joining a bracket pool at school or at work. We spend a week getting hyped up for what is an objectively terrible way to determine who is the best team in college basketball, a notoriously random and streaky sport. But everyone involved, 
Fans, players, coaches, media have a tacit agreement that it doesn't matter if it's unfair because it's fucking awesome. It has a sort of purity to it that I've grown to appreciate more over the years. My impression is that y'all's experience at the NCAA tournament is likely quite different than mine, being raised as Chicago Bears fans. What, if anything, does March Madness mean to you? Do you ever fill out a bracket just in case you might be uh, the one to create that mythical perfect bracket? We'd love to hear your thoughts. Go Cats! Ryan. Uh, well, the Alliance and I are pretty good this year. Um, and so I did. I opened up YouTube TV this earlier tonight and it said like, hey, who do you want us to record? And I was like, I-L-L-I and I, baby. Um, let's go. Uh, Actually, it's more like I-L-L-L. Uh, how many I's? Which of these is like backspace a couple <laughs> times? OK, I-L-L-I. And uh, wait, the backspace, backspace, backspace. <laughs> Uh, well, I'm, I'm curious, Bob, you love the NBA. Do you also have any, it's cause this, this is Rob and I have no real affinity for college football. My, I went to university of Illinois, Urbana-Champaign and they had a dog shit football team and that threw off any sort of interest in having a, an I have vestigial to, regional loyalty to the Boilermakers, but like, but that's didn't about Darren it. Williams go to Illinois? Didn't. That, that must have been some good teams when Darren Williams played for Illinois. Am yeah, I, but when I was there, they were so oh, bad. Okay, like, and okay. I just never like it. Just nope. never stuck as a as as a result. Um, uh, and I did, but do, do is there any college basketball in you as well, or is it strictly NBA? Uh, I used to obviously go went to Cal and I rooted for Cal basketball, and they were never that great uh, while I was there. You know, we had my freshman year, we had Sharif Abdur Rahim. Um, that uh and i think um i can't remember if they made it to the tournament or they only went to the nit with that um but uh but yeah um i'm just gonna go throw out my hot take about men's college basketball uh it's it's a terrible product and has been for probably 15 or 20 years why (laughs) i don't enjoy watching men's college basketball i think okay i think it's terrible you've got the long shot clock um i think uh, I think the nature of the sport is that the coaches control too much of what's going on on the floor and it isn't the players, right? Because they're, they're, you know, doing their, uh, Tom Izzo gesticulations and, you know, this, that, um, you know, calling every single play. Um, I, I just don't enjoy watching it. I don't even enjoy March Madness anymore. Um, has I, that been affected I, by the fact that like, I mean, the NBA does not want, it's stars to be coming up through the NCAA anymore. Like that's clear is they've done everything they can to like dry up that recruiting pool. Yes. I think, I think it has definitely been hurt by the best athletes, uh, no longer coming up through, uh, the college system. So you have, uh, you have players who are, uh, you know, I'll just say it vastly inferior than, you know, by and large compared to where that sport was, 25 and 30 years ago and of course before that um i think that it has very negatively affected the product i uh yeah i'll I'll say like i occasionally have the vestigial like you know go go purdue thing uh i ended up weirdly invested in following the career of one etuan moore uh for a number of years through the through the mb uh through the nba uh because like it was partly like uh he went to school at ec central uh which was where my mom taught uh she had him in class he was a 
cool kid. They like you know you have a you have a player who makes the makes the NBA. Yeah. You're gonna have an all time like year in state like call in state basketball. Uh, yeah. That's just guaranteed. So uh, you know he he sort of like led uh, the Cardinals to like this magical year, and then he goes to Purdue, and he's paired with. Juwan Johnson for a minute they both got drafted by the Celtics and it seemed like that was going to be like this awesome like you know stars of the future combo team up thing just didn't ever quite come together and and Moore's whole career ended up being one of those guys who was like always on the bench like about to be promoted maybe into the starting lineup but never quite able to stay there but like what's weird is his tour through the NBA uh, after after college it was like the Bulls for a number of years uh, after the Celtics and then like the Pelicans. Uh, so I was like watching a bunch of the games when AD was having sort of his breakthrough year and then the Suns uh, as they took off and became a contender. So like, you know, if you come up through the through the Purdue program, I like via my parents, I will hear about you and tune in. Mm-hmm. Uh, hi, sporties. Do you know a sport that is on TV year-round, has diverse leagues with different points of emphasis, and is watched by more people every week than all but the big sports leagues? Professional wrestling, baby. If you want mainstream flavor, check out WWE, AEW for that televised indie feel, or ROH or something else entirely if you're a sicko. With the sports crew, consider filling gaps in the calendar with a dive into the world of wrestling. Rob, what do you what do you what do you what do you make of wrestling? I have no idea what your thoughts are on wrestling. It has never come up in the six years that that we have uh, been colleagues. A lot of the smartest people I know and people I respect. And I'm not mm-hmm. talking about Austin here, but like a right. lot of lot yes. of like friends that I like really look up to. Yes, are huge wrestling freaks mm-hmm. and. I've watched people get They're, converted recently, like Rebecca Valentine, one of my favorite yeah. reporters, works at IGN, uh, engaged to Imran Khan, who I know was a is a continued wrestling sicko. She's been converted, like yeah. tweeting about it all the time, like and not just in like I'm supporting my my partner sort of way of like no, I supported my partner and now I am a wrestling fan and it's all I talk about. I have little. Mo- I think for me, what what tends to connect with me the most is the guys who are really into the idea of like, Hey, I practice a fucking craft here and let's respect it. So like I was hugely into like Kevin Owens, uh, cause his whole shtick was like, yeah, he was a bit of a villain, but like actually like when he like was on the mic, he tended to articulate this notion of like, Hey, I've spent my career like honing my ability to be a great wrestler, like to, to a mirror shine. And like it offends me when people try to reduce this to like a, a clown show full of shtick, uh, and so that was his, that was his whole heel. That was his whole like heel persona was in some ways a if you have like a cutesy little bit or something, then I especially want to destroy you because you're making this thing look silly and like a joke. And to me, it's my life. And that was a persona, but also this is the thing, right? Wrestling works on those two levels. It's partly the show and the persona, but also like there's this degree of like, is this a truth being articulated about the about the sport, about the performance? And so that stuff always like is just catnip to me. But every time I'm like, hey, maybe I should get into wrestling. 
the sheer amount of wrestling, the length of these broadcasts, how many of these personalities don't work for me, I end up just being like, no, I think I'll just like... I will watch my friends enjoy it. Have fun, gang. Uh, I'm willing to watch so, one, though. If like yeah. one made sense, like if there was a... doesn't have to be... The WrestleMania is what comes to mind just because that's like what I remember from my youth. And I know that's like the culmination of, uh, you know, what, what happens in, in that particular uh, offshoot of it. But I would say I would consider it if people could point us toward like, hey, this would be a representative, like fun uh, event to watch. I think we would consider watching it. We would, yeah. we would put it on the on the docket. Um, I have not watched wrestling with any regularity since uh, the like Goldberg uh, like st- like when WCW WWF like merged together in that that whole era. Like I remember very clearly spearing my brother on like a bed like back and forth. Not with a whole lot of concern for his health or well-being. Like not in a. Uh, you're definitely two years older. You should like be thinking about how much pressure you're applying to your brother when you do that to his stomach. Nah, I'm just gonna I'm gonna spear him into the wall and just see what happens. Uh, Bob, any any wrestling history with you? No, not. I don't really have anything to add. We're all healthy. We're like, look at this, cleansed. Just (laughs) three normal humans uh, out here. Uh, um, Lastly, hey guys, love all the work that you do. I recently got into watching soccer. Go Spurs! And I've recently enjoyed. Come on, Spurs! Come on, Spurs! (laughs) That's right. And I've really been enjoying it, even more than football and basketball, actually. But one hassle I've had is in actually watching the games, which is a nuisance Uh to watch Premier League games. So I see, I see where we're going with this. Bob's gonna have Uh some thoughts. I have to go to Peacock to watch the FA Cup. What's FA? Uh, It's another competition that goes across all the English. Okay. um, professional teams across divisions i see. so you have you can have uh premier league teams playing second or even third division patrick teams. remember in season two of ted lasso where they get their <laughs> yeah. asses kicked at wembley but like yeah. why were they getting their asses yeah, kicked yeah, by yeah. man city yeah, yeah. it's because they Kinda were playing like in the fa cup right. even though they weren't in the premier league anymore i see i see i see um to watch the fa cup i have to go to espn plus for champions league paramount plus and if the game's on usa network i gotta watch that on cable this is a huge investment uh, to make just to follow one club, considering you have to get three plus streaming apps. Have you run into this issue? Also, yes. why don't <laughs> why don't the Premier League schedule all their games at the same time like the NFL and make a red zone like channel? Bob, I feel like I will just throw this to you. How sure. do you hand like I, this sounds like you were also greatly into soccer. How do you manage or just you don't you just sign up for 100 services and just don't look at your credit card? Uh, so I have a, I have a buddy who, uh, is also a Spurs fan. Um, I, I recently got into English Premier League only like two years ago and Mm -hmm. I actually started as a Chelsea fan, but I got off that bandwagon when I realized the owner was a Russian oligarch and then he was selling the team anyway. And it was a whole mess. And it was really an excuse for me to get off that, uh, sinking ship and you were like, like i'm okay, going i have found a moral jump. high ground <laughs> I'm also jump. i'm going to change teams i'm going to jump onto a different sinking ship called the spurs um anyway how do i deal with watching the games um like every other 
uh, red-blooded American, I share passwords. <laughs> yeah, you have other streaming mm-hmm. services, and that's pretty much the answer. Or no, that, you or uh, uh, I do not recommend. I do not recommend. Oh. No, um, no, no, someone that is willing to pay for a lot of that stuff. I have a buddy of mine who he's super into soccer, and he shares his passwords with me. Now I don't watch soccer, but it's like. Mm-hmm. Uh, you, uh, um, you know, uh, you got Paw Patrol is on Paramount Plus. He subscribes to Paramount Plus to watch soccer. I use it to have a separate account to watch uh, propaganda for my children. Also, unless uh, <laughs> unless some sports stuff can be sorted out pretty fast, uh, I might be watching a lot of baseball on Apple because uh, you all YouTube is telling me is like baseball doesn't exist. We have no baseball for you. Well, the uh. I know, like there was that company that went. I, I almost oh, put the, it in the, the show Valley notes. Sports debacle. Yeah, that was. Whole, we weren't gonna have time for it. Well, when we get closer to the start of the the actual season at the end of the month, well, I'm sure we'll have an episode where we can talk through like some of the rule changes. But yeah, there was some interesting business stuff for like a bunch of regional sports, uh, like broadcasts are about to not exist, and the MLB is like just spinning up. Like uh, I don't know. I guess we're gonna do it ourselves and for free, and we'll figure it out. Um, it's a yeah. The, 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 there's kind of a wild west of um, baseball broadcasting uh, at the moment. The Apple like their uh, their announcers or their commentators were not very good. The couple of games I I tuned into, but boy, Rob, have you watched any of the games that are on Apple? Their video quality oh, is yeah. astounding. It's not 4K. Oh. That's still like a limitation. A limitation that, but like, who cares about resolution? Bitrate. Is... It looks amazing. Like I would put games on that I did not give it because they had a lot of Friday night games. Um, and my Friday nights are not usually sitting around watching sports. Um, but I would put it on just to like marvel. It's like, oh, it could look this good if they all cared as much as Apple cares about showing this. Oh. And I've, I've, you know, I'm not gonna. I know that uh, Apple's put their their bets on on soccer. They have like the MLS. Um, uh, the thing you can sign up for, and I've been—I th- thought about. I don't really want to watch soccer all that much, but I'd love to see what don't the. Wa- bi- don't do that. Don't but do I want to see how nice it looks. <laughs> okay, you can see how nice it looks, but if you really want to watch soccer, oh, oh I know, uh, I, I know, I know. I'm not gonna. Please, please watch European. Oh, there, there's gonna be people. There's gonna be people writing in like MLS doesn't get the respect. American football is nah, 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 uh, nah, really nah, nah, I, I don't care. But anyway, sorry. But I, I will also say, uh, so it is this weird, like, uh, sort of fractured uh, situation when it comes to watching soccer. But at the same time, like, with YouTube TV, usually, like, I can get my updates about, like, okay, you know, here's the games the Spurs have played in the last week. Here's here's what Arsenal's been up to. And usually anything that it that YouTube doesn't grab is over on Peacock and I'm I'm fine. I, the thing that I've really gotten addicted to though is as I've gotten access to like all the sports, watching extended highlights of games is increasingly where it is at. Like uh. soccer does have a problem of like you just have no idea like you can feel a play develop for sure, but like it's still kind of just fluky where it's like it, it, it might just randomly happen. So you're talking about the, di- the dynamic ones that YouTube will like highlight. For so YouTube you? has uh, so YouTube TV has like key mm-hmm. plays that like yep. will be drawn out in there. They're pretty decent. Like you will see like the 34, 35 key plays from a basketball game and like you'll get a good sense of what the flow of that game was uh, from watching those. 
but like over on Peacock, they will have, depending on the game, they will cut a uh, 90, 90, 95 minute soccer match down to maybe 15 or 20 minutes, long enough for you to really get a sense of like what was happening out there on the pitch. But still, you can get through a lot more games than if you're uh-huh. watching the full 90 minutes. Uh, yep. And so that has become like kind of my weekend go to is just pulling up the extended highlights on Peacock and like powering through a bunch uh, because then it's like all the good parts of soccer without the like 40 minutes of it feels like something could happen at any moment. And yet <laughs> nothing has happened. You, you'll, they'll show you the build up to the actual. Goal, yes, they will. Know, like, uh, so yeah, please send in uh, additional questions for future episodes of sports to uh, gamingadvice.com or keep an eye out for that that Google form if you want to send them uh, in there. Yes, Rob? Just because we did promise it, I should just allude to the fact that like the story has died down a bit, but the Gary Lineker oh, right, thing the in stuff. the BBC yes, was yes, yes. very funny where uh, he is, like the way I was describing it to Patrick is like, it's as if... Um, Al Michaels or Chris Collinsworth, like you know, on Sunday Night Football, had posted something about like, "Hey, uh, Trump's new border policy seems like Nazi shit," and mm-hmm. like that is kind of what he did about like uh, the conservative government's uh, immigration policy on, particularly centering on like small boats. Uh, you know, in, in Europe, the immigrant like in the U.S., the concern tends to be about like the long border. Uh, between the United States and Mexico, but in the UK, for obvious reasons, there's a lot of obsession over uh, like people making their way into the UK via like fishing boats and such. Uh, to say nothing of the awful refugee camp conditions they have uh, over in like camps in France, but so Leinecker talked about this this bill that's under consideration uh as using like language reminiscent of nazi germany and the bbc which is basically it's a neutral it's a ostensibly neutral organization that is crucially funded by what's called the license fee over in the uk where everyone pays a license fee to fund like the bbc sort of the national tv network and because of that has it has an obligation to neutrality, but in a lot of the same dynamics we see in the U.S., like there's the whole this is bias, this is this is left wing bias creeping in, and so the usual parties, uh, you know, right wing reactionaries, reached for their smelling salts, fell onto their fainting couch at Leinecker's tweet uh, about this this immigration bill, and. The head of the BBC, who's like a political appointee by the conservative government there, uh, suspended him for violating their policy. Now, here's the other thing. The BBC employs conservatives who are like active, like political hacks for the conservative party. And they're allowed to like say whatever they want. And that's not seen as violating like objectivity. But uh, Leinecker as sort of the the voice of match of the day or match of the week. He was he was stepping out of line, so they suspended him. And then every the, like this was really cool. Every single other like the people on his analyst desk uh, for match of the week, basically every other like commentary team on the BBC, all of them said, 
we're not we're not calling games uh, while he's been suspended. And so the BBC like had to undergo the humiliation of airing uncommented games, just like pulling raw world feed stuff. They aired uh, a podcast for... at some point because they just oh, had no they? one to do anything. Um, like th- th- that's how like the kind of like level of scrambling that was going on in order to, I think they were at one point they were doing like uncommented highlights of games. It was just somebody editing together clips and just putting them on. I can't think of a yeah. singular sort of voice that you could even galvanize behind. This, the is, the, this is where way. the analogy like a, breaks John down. John Madden, like maybe like, but then back. you can't imagine Madden saying it. Yep. No, uh, I'm just, yes, trying to think, I'm just trying to think of it. someone who was popular enough, well liked enough that could even cause that like similar sort of uh, ripple effect, and I just don't think that exists. And popular enough here. with their colleagues that everyone up and down the roster of like yeah. color guys and play by play guys, all of them would be like tools down. You know, and then you can make not. a political statement, right? Like, I think it's we're not- seeing a a big difference between American and. Uh, European sensibilities or in this case specifically British like Americans don't know how to do a strike in solidarity it it doesn't (laughs) occur right whereas at least this is something that um, you know these folks in in Britain are familiar with well and and something else I saw like I, I don't know if this is true people can write in but like coming out of American football there's, you know, obviously football brands itself this way, but there is kind of an expectation in a lot of ways that, like, people who spent their lives around football, you kind of anticipate being conservative in some key ways, right? It's like uh, uh-huh. God, country, football. And uh-huh. that's just not going to lend itself to be, like, to make statements like, hey, I think these restrictive immigration laws are Nazi-esque. That's well, just, well, that's even, even, fo- even like football, like, you know, you hear like defend the shield, right? Which, which right. Is, you know, that is essentially like that sounds very analog- you know, analogous to like, yeah. hey, we're defending a flag. Like this is a country like the institution right. and, is more important than anything that might ding it. And it just seems like a, a lot of people in the British soccer world, at least are in this place where, you know, they see Lineker's comments and there was kind of a reaction of like, well, what do you even say that was so wrong? It's not, you know, the the policy is cruel and like inhumane. Like, what's what's so bad about that? Uh, so that's that. I think is the other the other weird thing is like there's a lot of like sort of assumed or baked in conservatism to just the the groundwork of the NFL in particular, but I think of a lot of American sports. And here it's it's been so weird seeing the opposite happen in the UK where. It's just like, well, of course he said that because it's broadly true. Uh, and two, yes, everyone basically went on strike uh, alongside him to the point where the BBC tried some some face saving. Where they're like, we're going to clarify social media policies with with Lineker, and it, it kind of seems like he said, no, we're not. <laughs> and, yeah. that was, and that's kind of it. Had, They're just kind of like, okay, no, we're not. Line. Yeah, he just held his line. Uh, well, and I, I I saw uh, some photos from. Some, you know, uh, football game in which there were people like attending the game, holding up signs that said like in support of him. But and it separately said like like immigrants are welcome here. Rob, Rob, can you imagine that happening in any like American sports game or a football game? Like not yeah. not 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 a chance. Like yeah, I'm, I've been to m- plenty of sports g- games live and 
you know, political things, you know, can run the spectrum, but nobody's holding up a sign in support because they don't want to get clocked by the drunk guy, you know, three got three rows uh, in front of them. Um, but uh, yes, I'm glad we were able to cover that um, as we get to the end here of the podcast. Uh, in the meantime, you can follow Waypoint on Twitter at Waypoint, on Twitch at twitch.tv slash Waypoint, on YouTube at youtube.com slash Waypoint Vice. You can follow our writing at waypoint.vice.com. This episode is premiering ad-free on Waypoint Plus, which you can subscribe to and gain access to early episodes, exclusive episodes, ad-free episodes, and more at waypointplus.com. You can follow me uh, on Twitter at Waypoint. Uh, Bob, where what do you what do you want to tell us about? Where do you, people can follow you? What you got going on? Is there like a game you want to tell us about? What do you, this yeah, is your, like, your moment to shine? Plug. Yeah, so Plug away. Uh, I'm I'm, uh, I'm doing PR for Phoenix Labs, and uh, we uh, last fall announced a um, cozy farm sim game called uh, Fay Farm, and you can follow that at, at Fay Farm on uh, Twitter. I called your I called your studio Phoenix Point, and I which is the fucking Gallup Brothers X comma like. Oh, I yeah. did. <laughs> I you know that's so I funny. Did. I didn't know that Phoenix Labs, Phoenix Labs. Um, but yeah, you can follow me at, at Colico, B-C-O-L-A-Y-C-O. Um, I'll have mostly sports comments and, and such um, there. But um, but yeah, check out Fay Farm if you like uh, cozy farm sims um, with even a little bit of RPG action. Um, it's going to be a good one. Excellent. I will, I will know for the record that in the notes, Rob did write Phoenix Lab. So if... If he said it incorrectly uh, in the in the in the speaking, he, that's the Scotch heart, talking, not my notes. <laughs> his heart was at the right place. He wrote it down <laughs> correctly, and his mouth betrayed him. Rob, where can people follow you and your and your Bulls takes? Oh, I'll be right behind the Bulls. Uh, that's where. <laughs> hey, where's Rob uh, on the bandwagon behind the uh, Sacramento Kings challenging Chicago Bulls uh, at are Rob you be running on Twitter with the Bulls like through the streets? Is oh yeah, gonna, gonna be, be like yeah. people on the L train and be like, oh, "What's that?" And it's like that's because Rob Zachney just joined the joined the, the stampede Rob, they, heading toward they, that team bus. If there's if they make it into a playing game, like look. I know it's maybe not the best time to spend a bunch of money flying across the country and coming to visit me, but like, what if, what if like we go to the what play if, and what if we go to the play-in game and spend a bunch of money getting drunk in Chicago, huh? What about that? That sounds like a real good plan. Yeah. Uh, let's see how the season pans out. Yeah, are we talking about the company or the Bulls? <laughs> That's very true too. <laughs> yep. Feels like um, we're in a play-in tournament, Rob. Anyway, fuck capitalism. And bear down. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health Right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.